Do you know how to find the right oil for your car? Now you can find out quickly and easily online, thanks to Castrol's Rego to Oil tool. Simply type in your Rego, select your state, and within seconds you'll know the best Castrol products to unlock the edge of performance in your car. So what's your car best suited to? Just search Rego, the number two, and oil, and find out. A Motorsport Podcast Network production. Hey everybody, welcome along, V8 Sleuth Podcast for another week, and we have got plenty of topics to get through this week, lots, and as always, the Q's are in, the A's are here, Will Dale, can you bring some A's, welcome along. <laughs> I thought you just called me an A, that's interesting, well that's a bold way to start the podcast. <laughs> hey look, you know, we're about getting the attention early here, yeah, and I think got, we've, got I think my we've done that, yeah, I think <laughs> we've done that, goal achieved. As always, we've always got a mailbag full, and well... Pretty much we could do a daily Q&A podcast with the amount of mail that we get via our website, socials and the like. So let's barrel in. Uh, Kobe Collins is first up. And this is an interesting one that my automatic reaction answer, I think I would have got this wrong. Is there still a production number that a manufacturer has to reach for a car to be eligible to be homologated to be a current supercar? I, I would have gotten this as wrong as well, which is why I went to the um, supercars operations manual from this year to double check. And it turns out there is still a stipulation on production number. So if it's uh, it's um, Division A 1.2 automobile car and automobile and car technical definitions. Um, yes, Cropo. Yes, yes, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, so if you go down through the list, it's got to be based on a production automobile, be commercially available, and, and this is the important bit, have a minimum production volume of 1,000 automobiles worldwide, including the manufacturer's accredited special vehicles division. And it's also got to be a suitable size for the bodywork to fit over the, over the chassis. Tick, 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 tick. Yes. If I actually looked at that question and my initial reaction was, uh, I don't think so. But then mm. again, I don't sit there reading the operations manual uh, as much as maybe some other people do. <laughs> it's and a pretty good depth, cure for insomnia if you're yeah, not involved in the say, sport. If, if you're having good. trouble sleeping, just one page a night will toddle you off to sleep. And Maybe not even one page. Maybe a paragraph you, which or bit two. You're reading. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> maybe that'll, that'll finish you off. Lachlan James. He's wondering why there was no telecast of the 1992 Australian Touring Car Championship round at Malala. So it, there was coverage of sorts. It was shown yeah. like highlights on Sports World a week later or yeah. something along those lines. There was, there was. Uh, it was a budgetary thing from what I remember because Channel 7 had, of course, the um, the Barcelona Olympic Games to record later that year and um, or to trans to, to broadcast, I should say, not just record. Um and that one out over Malala. Yeah, and I'm, I'm wondering why. The, clearly, Oran Park was the last round, so that was a grand final. And couldn't avoid that one. Couldn't avoid that one. But I think for Malala, a lot of the equipment and a lot of the people had dispatched already or on route to, to overseas. So, yeah, Barcelona Olympics 92 were not far off. And, of course, that was in that era where Channel 7 telecasts, depending on where you were around the country, were generally a Sunday night, late night special. And that was actually the year of, is it aggregation, the word I'm looking for there? When basically the television where I was from, Ballarat, swapped. So we just had our local Channel 6, but then Channel 6 was aligned after that with Channel 9. So we so it became Vic TV, Win TV, mm. whatever it was. Uh, Prime was 7 and Southern Cross was 10. So then we were getting the touring car rounds and Bathurst through Channel 6, but then they came through Prime because they were the seven 
affiliate, affiliate at the yeah. time didn't change. It didn't mean we got any much love to uh, <laughs> to be able to get uh, and watch those races that we didn't get to see or that we had to sit up late for. It It actually didn't change a game at all. So we'd already we'd already gone through that in North Queensland. So we'd had what NQTV in in Bowen, and that was what we got. But we were lucky. We also we got touring car racing. We racing. We got Formula One. We got five hundred cc bikes uh, up until nineteen ninety, and then we just got F one and MotoGP in Bathurst. So um, really. yeah, and then aggregation came in, and we got all the channels that everyone else got. So winning. yeah, winning. it was delightful. Nicely played. Uh, is there another television question? Here? There is from John Stryker. Australian Touring Car Championship TV coverage became regular in 1983 and it's well known it was pretty hodgepodge prior to that. But is there a definitive list of what rounds were and weren't covered on TV prior, say, in the 77 to 82 period? And is there a chance much of it will ever see the light of day? No definitive list. Mm. No. Um, It's probably something that could be assembled with enough time. There'd be enough data out there as to what was at least listed as going to be shown but um, yeah. that's not something that we've got we've got on hand no but there's i mean there's rounds i've seen and know of that the abc telecast obviously they did all the the light car clubs touring car rounds for many years mm. 82 though i think sandown was on channel 7 actually it was it was a, um, it was a 400 and it was the no the touring car round was as well oh, the touring car round was yeah, it yeah 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 yep yep oh that was their um celebration of champions yeah Thing. Tribute to the champions, or yeah. whatever it was. Um, AJ and Denny Holm and Brabham and yeah. whoever I think else was there. Fangio was meant to come out but didn't. Yeah, so th- there's been a bit of a mixed bag there. Like clearly there's a lot of ABC. There's a bit of Channel 7 in among that, depending on promoters' deals at the time because it wasn't a welded overall combined championship as it may have seemed. Mm. Individual rounds and promoters did their own deals in different markets, different places. So a lot of that stuff was ABC. And some of that's been released on those classic Aussie touring car DVDs that um, Chevron put out some years ago, which I think are in our online store. I'm not sure if we've got stock of those, but there's some of them floating around. But, I mean, you go right back to Channel 9 did telecast some more in park racing in the 70s. Yeah, I think they got um, Alan Moffat's 73 championship win, like the the winning round. Where is that? Yeah. That's a vision I'd like to see. But I think this actually prompts a little question. It's slightly out of John's hitting zone here. But the, the races that – and they're not ancient, but I can't believe that there's not a bit of vision around of them. Well, I haven't seen it. It must be around. Those Oran Park Enduros, the 88 Pepsi 250 oh, yes. and the 89 Pepsi 300 that Medici and Bagnall won, I've never seen the vision of those. I feel like the 89 race was, was covered by Sky. Yeah. yeah. Well, where's so that that's, tape? Well, it's a bit like that mythical 89 Sandown 500 coverage that just appeared. Like it, it happened well, no, somewhere. It was it was covered and produced. Was that and by filmed. Four Sky as no, well? No, no, it was an independent producer. Yeah, right. Um, which we've got a, a copy of. It's on our uh, YouTube page actually mm. um, of that race. But yeah, there, there's no definitive list, John. But it, it it brings into mind some of these races that, and I see this quite often overseas with the missing NASCAR or IndyCar races yeah. that people haven't been able to see. We've got a bit of that in Australia that. If we could find some of those tapes, I have seen those Oran Park Enduros from other years and other races, but um, well, especially those Rothmans 500. Well, Channel the 70s. O did those, yeah, yeah, before it was 10 or yeah. was it 10 at that point? No, I think it was O at yeah. that stage. So, yeah, there's plenty of that type of stuff that's if it's out there, who knows? Channel 9's archives might have some stuff. What we've found previously is particularly the ABC. 
I think there's more motorsport there than what has been released, but it's the way it's labelled. You'll yeah. never find it. It'll say a sunny day out. <laughs> Could be a Warwick Farm race. Yeah. But unless you dig out the tape and actually spool it up, you'll you'll never know. Well, you think of those other races that were part of uh, compilation programs isn't quite the – but a wide world of sports style like sports program, like that first um, first day of colour television in Australia, mm, that preliminary mm. race at Simmons Plains that was shown on ABC as part of another program. There's plenty of these races and it's probably another – you know what? It is a podcast for another day, Will. Lost the, missing, races, the lost yeah. Australian touring car races. Yeah. Like, like we know that I think it was Channel 9 showed the 1980 Sandown touring car round when Brock and Bartlett just oh, really? got stuck into it. Yeah, right. yeah, I'm pretty sure that there was coverage there. So I reckon we could actually do a compile of a pretty good episode of stuff that – some great races, amazing stuff that's never been seen since. Or and won't be seen during the podcast. Well, no, funnily <laughs> enough, no. Uh, yeah. The visuals are no good here on Podland. But I think that's a topic. It's right up the Sleuth Alleyway. It's what we're into. It's what we know about. Well, at least one person was interested. John was interested. Well, John's in. I'm, yeah. Well, well, Saren, who's got the next question, he's a long-time listener, and it's another television-related question. That's three in a row. There's three people who will be interested in that next episode of the podcast if we do that? It's almost like I've put all the TV questions together. Uh, did you? Maybe. Yeah, I thought so. <laughs> thought so. What's the next one? So Saren's asking, what are your favourite memories of the late Doug Mulray and his involvement in motorsport? Oh, how long have you got? <laughs> yeah. How much can we actually say? Oh, plenty. In this modern plenty. age. Yeah, plenty. Um, some that you can't, but I do love the um, – it was a 30-second TV ad – uh, when the V8s were going back to Bathurst, I think 93, 92, one of those two years. And it's um, it's an ad with an old couple in a farmhouse and, um, <laughs> yeah, and, and Mulray turns up in the Channel 7 chopper. But you don't see him for the first part of the ad. They're just sitting on the back deck rocking away in their rocking chairs and he, I love the smell of V8s in the morning or whatever he says. <laughs> that was great. The Brock, um, Crompton, Mulray, Raymond, Wilco, anyone else who was involved. Father and son, Hay. Yeah, yeah, Bathurst 88 was just hilarious. Um, classic crashes. That, that's a bit <laughs> of his Richie finest. Richie Benno, yeah. Yeah. Um, the Bicentennial Year Celebration. Oh, yeah. That was oh, quite the, solid. The Tui song as well. How do you feel? Yeah. About a thousand clicks around the old hot mix in Bathurst Town. Very good. It was good. Oh, I've heard that a couple of times. Yeah, as you can I think tell. That, yeah, I think that lives rent-free in my mind, as does his very first bit of on-camera stuff for Seven. Um, at that Amscar round in 88 when he was filling in for Crompton, who was busy driving, <laughs> where he's like sweeping in pit lane at Amaru in front of a field of sports sedans that are about to head out and basically just taking the mickey out of the ARDC Channel 7 who wouldn't give him the red jacket because he wanted one to go with his uh, go with his eyes um, <laughs> and whatever and everything. It was great. You got everyone on the way through. Yeah. That's a skill when you can give everyone a serve. In one hit, including the people employing you that weekend. And that's, they laugh along with you. That's they paid epic. you for the, them for the privilege. You and I flung. Yeah. There's no way that you'd survive that. But yeah. the other one is the naughtiest home videos because for so many years, the way – and those, a lot of our listeners will know, 92, was it? Yes. Yeah, so Channel 9, they, they had run Australia's funniest home videos for some time. Remember Graham Kennedy hosted it actually Yeah. in, um, early in its years. early years. And then they came up with this one-off special of Australia's naughtiest videos, which Mulray hosted. Briefly. And, of course, famously Kerry Packer saw it, thought, what the hell's this, rang up and screamed to get it off the air and 
I think Cheers was playing within 22 minutes to uh, to be the fill-in programming. But after Packer died, the full show was shown eventually. And what it did do was do Neil Crompton a big disservice. It really stitched him up, didn't it? Well, and, and I don't think he understood, even recently when, when Doug passed away, he and I were in a few discussions, and I don't think he quite understood the level of what had been shown that the whole show had been shown. Oh, oh really? No. He, he didn't no, know. No, I don't think he quite twigged because oh, he, he was texting me saying, oh, well, <laughs> lucky that Kerry pulled the plug all those years ago. I'm like, <laughs> you do realise it ran. Oh, what? So if you haven't seen it, go and find a copy. Let's just say Uncle Neil is a little too excited uh, about Group A touring cars at Surface Paradise in 1987 and um, – it's easy to see. It's easy to <laughs> I can't see. believe that he was, uh, unless he's sort of repressed all the text messages he copped back in the day. Mm, well. Or just forgotten. But, yeah. Probably, maybe chose to forget. Yeah. Maybe filed it away. I'm not sure. In the words of Mulray himself, a time best forgotten. Ah, uh, yes, yes. Uh, Tony Dyer, do you have the history on the early Team Kiwi cars that Jason Richards and Angus Fogg drove? Um, they were originally Perkins cars. Where are they now? Well, it's funny. We actually we do have the history on that because we did the histories of them for the Perkins Engineering mm. car history book. Yeah, uh, was that not last year? The uh, year before? Two years ago. Yeah. yeah. Um, we actually had to we had to revise our original thinking on the histories of those cars when we were doing this book because we because the two cars in question, PE thirty five and thirty six, the bar work in them was very different, and you can see in photos which car is which. I think what, from just external shots. From external shots, um, you can tell from the A pillars, and one car was the original Larry Bar car because oh, it yeah. originally started life as the old um, Silver Bullet. Mm. Um, Thirty five is actually still with David John in New it's Zealand. In New Zealand, yeah, isn't and it's it? been yeah. restored largely back to as it was race day um, Bathurst in two thousand, where the team made its championship debut. And thirty six, I believe, is with. Is it Mark Papendale in South Australia? Yeah, I think it's been for sale a few times. Over yeah, the journey so it could be yours. In it could years. be yours could very be. soon. Last time I've seen it advertised, it's had a very big price tag on it, which I don't think I can afford. So uh, I don't think anybody else has been able to afford it either. That's why I still got it. But um, those Team Kiwi cars were at a time when you could buy a customer car, get a little bit of Larry help and go and do it yourself and run a team with a couple of full-time people. That was it. And those cars had reasonably long lives as well because you think they started right at the end of the 2000 season and those cars were then upgraded to VX trim and eventually I think they raced all the way through to in Team Kiwi hands to what, 2003, 2004? Yeah, but there was that period, remember, where in early 03 they got a GRM car. Ah, and yes. And that, that was the first of numerous um, customer relationship deals that fell apart. That one fell apart very quickly. I think they only used it for one, maybe two events at the start of, what was that, 2003. Yeah. Um, and they reverted back to um, one of those Perkins cars, if not both of them, before they ended up with a, a Paul Morris relationship after yeah. that. Yeah, because they switched back and forth between them at various mm. times in their lives as yeah, well. Yeah, yeah. And a lot of people have wondered why it was 021, the, the race number for the Team Kiwi mm. cars for so many years. Well, remember, too, that at the beginning they were sponsored by Vodafone yes. in New Zealand. And if you dial anyone in New Zealand with, you know, it's obviously plus from Australia. Plus 64. Plus 64. Yep. But 021 was the start of mobile numbers. Yeah, right. 
Well, that makes a lot of sense. In the I same way, it's the numbers that Vodafone gave out too, by the way. Would well, make so. sense in the same way. Was it O one five on the HRT car for Telecom Mobile Net? Yep, yep. Which when everyone had to update their numbers later on, I guess if you were O one five, you had to become O four one five. Yeah. So a bit hard to fit that on a number panel of a V8 touring car. Now, legally, um, you can't now. No. It's not no, allowed under the rules. No, no, no. Take it away all the fun. Take it away all the fun. Uh, Brandon Brasted, I hope I said this right, humour this American. Oh, we've got an American listener. Yes. Is yeah, he from yeah. America or is he Australia? Or? You know as much as I do at this Let's point. Let's say he's from America because he's from America. NASCAR wants an overseas round. He says Ben Kennedy has said it many times in the past year since the success of the initial clash at the Coliseum. What's the likelihood that the money's put into the Thunderdome to make a realistic bid to be that race? It's going to take a lot of money. But when you when you just factor in bringing the actual track surface What's up the to likelihood? standard? What's the likelihood? Oh, not high. Zero. Mm. Zero. Yeah. It ain't going to happen. Calder is going to be up and rolling this year. Yeah, and which is great circuit, to see. The road circuit. I circuit. The road circuit. Circuit. Circuit uh, is going to be up and running for state series racing. So I think that's the reality of the situation. Mm. I can't see the Thunderdome ever being active again. The reality is how crazy is it that they're talking about spending how many million dollars to build that new track out at Avalon, Avalon yeah. when you could for a fraction – well, you may as well do it while you're going along for the budget ride. Um, tip a couple of bucks into Calder and suddenly have another venue again. Yes, it has noise restrictions. Well, and that's what, exactly what I was going to say. Calder is surrounded by houses It is, but, but you still can run it. You still can go. True. So. I'm curious as to how those events are going to go this year given how relatively little it has been used in recent years and the amount of people living around it who would not have been exposed to that level of noise on a – not even a semi, semi-regular basis. Harden up. That's what I'd say. You moved next to a racetrack. Last time I checked, that racetrack was there before pretty much all those houses. So Sure was. Anywho, uh, what's next? Oh, okay. You better ask this one. <laughs> yes. Um, Chad Nalon. Television's Chad, Chad Nalon. The Chad Nalon. Wow. Celebrating a decade on our TV screens with the Supercars Championship and a little bit more beyond that for drag racing and one HD. He asks, Noons, are you still finding Easter eggs in your luggage from Winton 2014? The answer is yes. <laughs> you looked moderately unimpressed when this question came up. So th- this relates to a round of the championship at Winton where we were staying in Wangaratta and young Chad and I decided to watch some football that evening and uh, it had been been Easter. It was about to be Easter. Near enough, either or. It doesn't matter to the story. And I had some little, you know, the tiny little Easter eggs, the little small Oh, ones. like the little Cadbury deals. Yeah yeah, 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 yeah. Which are ice because you can eat like a whole packet of them and not feel bad because, you know, it's only little ones. It's <laughs> not so bad. Um, and we were hoeing into a few of those and then all of a sudden I think the next time I used that bag, I found one or two in there and it turned out he'd placed them in all sorts of various places. <laughs> I thought we'd eaten them all, but clearly not. So I was pulling them out for the next three rounds, finding them in all the different zip compartments of a bag. So thanks, Chad. Don't worry. Uh, payback will be coming and uh, chocolate can get very, very melted. So Every lap in under a minute means every second matters. Bosch Power Tools Perth Super Sprint, May 17 to 19. Book now at Tick Attack. Supercars unforgettable. Right, Jared Lovey, long-time friend of the podcast, by the way. Uh, He says the AU Falcon wasn't a great race car. 
I've seen it do some amazing things. Uh, uh, like what? Now, haven't you seen that Facebook account, AE Falcons doing amazing things? Oh, yeah, I have actually. Yeah. Have. <laughs> yes. uh, he said it's developed a bit of a cult following. Therefore, there you go, exactly. It's, yes. it's, that makes yeah. sense. Question is, how many AU Falcons actually won a V8 Supercars Championship race? I can't think of too many when you compare it to the BABF era that followed. Now, as a, as long-time listeners of this podcast will probably know, I am a long-suffering Ford fan who was going through high school when the AU Falcon was the Blue Oval's lead strike weapon, such as it was in the Supercars Le- Championship. Lead strike weapon and AU Falcon, same yeah, I know, sentence. Right? Yeah, right. Well, the front split, the, the splitter was a strike weapon uh, yeah, if, you were, if you were a curve. If you were a sand trap. Yeah. <laughs> um, so when I when dug the numbers out for this, there was actually a lot more cars than I expected. 12 different chassis, AU Falcon chassis, won championship races over that 99 to 2002 period. Uh, DJR... AU11 won the most. Radisic four race car. wins. Yep, Radisic car. Three of those were at Barbagallo Ga- in 2001. Oh, well, yep. Yeah. Um, and DJR had the most different chassis winning races, four of them. Um, in fact, only one of their AUs didn't win a race. Which is Dick's car. Yes. Chassis 10. Yeah, yeah. Dick's uh, last car, I should say. Yes. Uh, SBR, Stone Brothers Racing, had three different chassis win races and Ford Tickford Racing, Larkham's, PAE before they became Briggs yep. um, and Steve Ellery Racing all had one AU Falcon each that took race wins. Um, the other notable thing is that one of those SBR Falcons, AU2, won races for two different teams and three different drivers. So that would be Craig Baird. Correct. Jason Bright. Correct. And Craig Lowndes. Two Craigs. Motorsport. That's the one. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, I mean, it's one of those things where, okay, 12 different cars is probably more than I would have thought, but mm. how many races did the AU Falcon actually win Overall, not that many more than that. So they spread no. it around at least between uh, all of those. Uh, Sebastian DeSelvo, where's Mark Scaife and Russell Ingalls' cars from their incident at Eastern Creek in 2003? The old shriek at the creek. Yeah. It's uh, it's an anniversary this year. It is too. <laughs> if I, Do we have to hear about it again? That's what I was going to say. It's not like like it's not like it's left the co- public consciousness in the <laughs> or been allowed <laughs> to is, leave the is public 20 consciousness. Years on, but it doesn't feel like it's been one of those. Oh yeah, I forgot about that one. <laughs> <laughs> it's been an omnipresent. Oh, factor. that old thing. Yeah. Oh, that old chestnut. Uh, actually, the previous question asker, last I checked, owns the Russell Ingall Stone Brothers Caltex Falcon. What a remarkable coincidence! Did you plan it that way? So, yes. Yeah, you did. <laughs> yeah. yeah, you did. It's called good producing. Uh, HRT card, that's in South Australia, I think, now, isn't it? I believe with the, with Chris the King Keen's family? collection. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that's that's that car, chassis 49. Uh, so, by the they, way, so they're both representative of how they were in 2003, are they not? Uh, uh, yes. Uh, yeah. yeah. Last I checked, the last I saw well, imagery well, of them. Well, well, well. Yeah. You... Wouldn't that be a fun <laughs> thing to try and organise for later this year? <laughs> There's a rounded Sydney Motorsport Park, you know. Oh, there is. Mm, mm. Oh, well, you never know. You never know. Could be something. By the way, you mentioned before about the Perkins book with the Team Kiwi cars. Mm. We still have a handful of copies of those media review copies. They're not signed by Larry. They're unnumbered. But they are the book that we had produced for uh, media review. But the book sold so fast that we didn't get to send them out to all the media. Uh, so we have made some of those copies available for our listeners and fans who love LP and all things PE. Um Jump on the website, superstore.v8sleuth.com.au. I'm sure we'll put it in the show notes to take you to the website so you can order yourself a copy. Uh, Joe Pokodge. Pokodge? Pokodge? 
I can hedge my bets there. I probably still got it wrong. Let, but us, Joe's know, a let us know how it is pronounced, please, Joe. Yeah, Joe, please help us. Um, he's wondering what happened to the PWRAU Falcon that Greg Crick was talking about on the show a few weeks ago. I think you said it was PWR02, but I think they used a couple of different cars if I'm – my memory serves from that sort of era. That is correct. So they used two different cars at the, the Enduros in the 2000 season when Cricky ran alongside Paul Wheel. They used O2 at the Queensland 500, um, and then that car was actually sold um, prior to Bathurst, and although Wheelie raced it on the streets of the Gold Coast, they debuted oh, a new Dean car. Canto car. That's the one. And Terry Steer bought it for Dean Canto to drive. Correct. Yeah, so that right. car... Um, was not the same car that they raced at Bathurst and where Cricky had that standout performance. Oh, I loved it. Yeah. Loved that car. Yeah, that was a ripper. That was a ripper. 43 K&J Thermal Products Falcon. Very Before it was PWR livery. per yeah. se. It was yeah, K&J. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So funnily enough, um, 03 is actually um, – we actually spent time with Team Kiwi Racing after it's just funny uh, given given the T- TKR question we had earlier. It actually – it never raced for them, but it had been upgraded to BA panel panel work. Which you couldn't do in V8 supercars, but some it, people yeah. did it with those cars um, and used them as ride cars and, and stuff like that. Brett Yulden did that with one of Seton's cars mm. and, and BA'd an AU. And, and that's what happened with this one too from my memory that I think it did some endurance racing in New Zealand as an AU and it got turned into a ride car with – Team Kiwi to replicate the current Falcon of the era yeah. that they were running in by that time, which I think was BF, BABF, somewhere yeah, yeah. in that sort of realm. So, And this is the car, if you think back to whichever lockdown it w- was that we were in. Okay. <laughs> they they yeah, all blend into one. They right? really do. But, one, but this car, during one of those, popped up on Facebook Marketplace. Ah, which one was this one? Uh, that was the one that was in regional Victoria. With, um, I think it was Willie Van Ver- Willie Van Wersch. Uh, yeah, that rings a bell. Yeah, a bell. and like just to look at the car, you wouldn't have known mm. what it was, or you would have made a few, um, slightly off assumptions as to what it could have been, because mm. of course you wouldn't have expected an AU Falcon to be upgraded to be a panel work, no. and of course it wasn't in its racing well, life. It was, it, it was physically, but not um, periodically. Yes. The description I'm thinking of, and um, um, AU2 was eventually restored back to its original like color colors and livery a few years ago, uh, and still lives on. There were five of those PWR felt. They built AUs. quite they a few, built, didn't they? Yeah. They got through quite a few in the space of a couple of years. They just kept pumping them out. It's not like they wrote them off either. Like no, I can't... Paul had a good go at the first one. Oh uh, yes, at Lakeside in testing one day. Ah yeah, I'd forgotten about that one. That, that delayed that one from uh, from starting, but. Uh, um, yeah, because they ran right through to the end of O two, and then obviously they, the wheels ended up with what was Team Brock um, mm. for O three as part of the Clayton Business Park alongside HRT and and Kmart. And it's scary to think that is twenty years ago. Yeah, this year it's yep. it feels like yesterday. It's quite scary. Ambrose's first title twenty years ago. Yeah. Ooh, wow. Yeah. Next question, Scott Archer. What is the one car you've been trying to track down but to this day still remains unfound? I get asked this a little bit, don't we? But one car that just sprang into my mind, I've been doing a little bit of super touring stuff lately with Mm. a few contacts overseas in the UK and Europe. And I have conflicting stories on a car that I'd love to know what happened to. And Mm. there doesn't seem to be anything online that really spells it out. Definitely answers it. The... 
1998 Bathurst Vectra that Murph and Russell drove. Remember the one that Russell crashed at the top of the hill, hit the oil, yeah, yeah, hit yeah. the Volvo, go bouncing off the wall? Wasn't that supposedly written off? Well, that's what I thought. But I asked Roland about that one day and he said, no, nah, that one got fixed. So Jeez. I want to know where it went. A lot of those Vectras ended up in Sweden. Because um, oh, they, they persisted series. with Super Touring far longer than anyone yeah, else, didn't they? Yeah, so I've never seen or heard where that one has actually ended up at mm. the end of the day, which that's one of those those cool things. But I think if there's ever a Bannerhead car or cars from history that have just disappeared, it's those first two Bathurst winning Monaros. Oh, for sure. 68 and 69. We have talked about them before. They'll never turn up now, even if they're out there because how do you prove – what they are. Yeah. That'd hard. be one heck of a paper trail to try and re-establish. <laughs> oh, could you not, imagine? Not that? entirely impossible, just mm. highly implausible that it could be achieved. But, like, stranger things have happened. Yeah, we've yeah, seen yeah. cars re-emerge. Like, Jim, we've seen cars re-emerge that you put a few question marks over. But we've mm. seen cars also re-emerge that um, people thought were long gone and they are indeed the genuine article. Yeah, you, you never know. You, you never know. But there's probably a big list of cars if we stopped and actually drilled in that we could come up with. But that was a couple that sprang into the mind anyway. So My favourite, my personal favourite is PE006. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that if you have the Perkins book, you'll know that there you'll isn't know. one. <laughs> you'll know. You'll so, know. yeah. And, and PE009, which was the, um, the Daily Planet Bathurst car from 92, Ah, yes. It was – we're pretty sure, like, everyone – no one's been able to prove that that car wasn't written off and destroyed after that crash. Yeah. Um, but there was a few people who might have worked at LP's team at the time. And that's just the ravages of time where people go, hang on, did we fix that one? Did we sell it? Did we scrap it? And that's the thing. It's not important at the time because it's nah, an old race car. It's, it's not just, e- It's not even the, your most recent race car. No, and it's kind of like if you actually said, what did I have for breakfast on the 11th of February this year? I don't know. I could take a few guesses. I might tell you what else I did on 11th of February this year. I might have worked if it was a weekday. Who knows? If it wasn't, who knows? Who knows? Who knows? Uh, David Roberts, with only 12 events for supercars this year, which year featured the most events? He's guessing 1986 because there was 10 rounds of the Touring Car Championship, six rounds of the Australian Endurance Championship, three question mark standalone amps car rounds, and the Grand Prix support at uh, Adelaide at the Grand Prix. So that's probably a fair fair crack given like in the relatively modern era where it's all structured. But I th- think it's probably going to be back in the 60s or 70s where you could have a touring car race, like promoters will put on touring cars as a potential draw for one of their events. And you, you'd you have the championship rounds, but you'd also have just these one-off mm. where, say, Beachy or Gagan or a couple of other drivers would turn up and have a bit of a burn. Yeah, and when I think of 86 too, there was, of course, the European Championship mm. and there was the Nissan Mobile, Nissan Mobile races series? in New Zealand plus all Fuji. There. Yeah, So Fuji if you think well. of what the dealer team went and did that year. Oh, jeez. So yeah. they did, what, four rounds of the European Championship, including Spa, plus Fuji at the end of the year. There's five, plus all of the rounds of the Touring Car Championship, pretty much all the rounds of the Endurance Championship except Amaru, uh, didn't do Amps Car, definitely did Adelaide, mm. and did the two New Zealand races. So that's a pretty big year. It's a terrible time for the Australian dollar to tank. <laughs> it really was. It really yeah. was. I've been doing some um, proofing and having a good read of David Hassel's Alan Moffat Mustang book, which – there's oh, some nice. news on that coming pretty soon. You'll you'll hear and see a bit more about it soon. But 
one of the things that struck me is just how much racing he did in a year. And, and it goes to your point before about how there were, yeah, there might have been six or seven rounds of the actual Australian Touring Car Championship in a year in 71 or 72 or mm. whatever. But then there were all these other events at tracks around the country and, of course, he was getting paid appearance fees to go to them all to bring the showstopper that was the Coke Mustang yeah. and Alan Moffat. And um, I haven't you – know, I, I don't have it in front of me, but if you look through how many events that he would have done in, say, 1971 or two, even when six or seven rounds of the championship, it had to be 20 a year comfortably just with all of the different events that were on promoters – it adds up. Well, you think it's there what? were different, two different types of touring cars then too. Oh, of course. But you think like the headline stat with that car is always what, 101 wins from 151 race starts? Bullshit. Something along those lines? Oh, really? It's bullshit. Well, yeah, I've always wondered is, about that. That is one of the biggest furfies in Australian motorsport history. Well, I look forward to seeing what the actual numbers are. And this book has all the numbers. Very good. It has good. every single race in a big table at the back. It's all there. David Hassel spent years working on this. This is I'm genuinely really is, looking forward to this. Book. Oh wow. This is an and we had him on the podcast last year where we kind of touched on it mm. without giving too much away. It's not far away from some more information being released on it. It is an epic. Excellent. Capital A, capital N, capital E, capital P, capital I, capital C. It is the most definitive, in-depth, amazingly researched book on one car, but it's it covers all of the stuff that leads up to it about Moffat in America, um, how and why he met people, where he did this deal, where he did that deal, and, and the detail is unbelievable. It is an absolute – when this thing comes out, it will be limited and you should not miss out. It is unbelievably good. It is – I found myself getting – having late nights sitting on the couch reading it. And you know when you just lose track of time? Oh, yeah. And then you look at the clock and go, geez, it's midnight, I better go to bed. Yeah. Um, it's that sort of stuff. Like it is unbelievable, unbelievable. It's it's It'll be worth every cent and dollar that anyone will pay for it. Excellent. I'm really looking forward to that. And we do love an epic book around here. Oh, yeah. yeah. Uh, there's, a, there's a bit of that. Triple Eight going well, tapping away. Yeah, it's coming along. What have you been working on lately? Uh, I'm in the sort of VE Commodore Blueprint era. So, oh, okay. yeah. Yep, yep. So, there's a few wins there. Have you done the Falcador? Uh, I have done the Falcador. Oh, the ride car. Yeah, the ride car. Yeah. Ford underneath, but a Commodore on the outside. Quite a few famous people have driven that. Who? Um, Roland. <laughs> yeah, I said famous. Well, um, Jensen Button. Yeah, okay, that's more famous. Yeah. Uh, Jeremy Clarkson. Oh, yeah, yeah, when he was in Australia. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Yep. Uh, John Casey. John Casey, basketball commentator. Vodafone is John Casey, and oh, supercars. John right, Casey. Yeah, yeah, okay, that one. Yeah, we're yeah. going through some. Fo- I was going through some photos on our in our um, archives, and I thought that face looks really familiar. What's it doing on the driver's side of that car, and why is Jamie in the passenger seat? <laughs> it wasn't mirrored because the steering wheel it's, was in John's hands. So that's correct. Yeah. So apparently, um, that car went for a um, went for a few hot laps at Eastern Creek with um, Vodafone executives in it back in the day. And it was regularly used for the ultimate speed comparison at the Grand Prix. Mm. I think Scott Pye would have driven it. Scott Pye, Steve, Steve Owen, and Andrew Thompson. Tomo, yeah, 2011. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, that's shaping up to be a ripping book too. You can pre-order your copy of the Triple Eight book. Um, sorry about the book plugs, but we've got to tell you about what we're up to so you know what's coming <laughs> so you can grab yourself a copy. And another quick thing too before we get on the next question. This year is the 60th anniversary of the great race at Bathurst. Notice the way I worded that. Important, important mm. distinction. Yes, yes. Um, little bit of a book. 
okay, not little, but long, uh, coming out a bit later this year that I may or may not have been writing for the last six or seven months. So haven't really told anyone very much about that, but oh, keep yeah. your eyes peeled. It is coming soon. Coming soon. Just to sort of round off David Roberts' question, which got us to this oh, point yeah, in the first the way, place. Meanwhile, at the ranch. Yeah. So in terms of when things became more structured and there were there were not limits placed on how many cha- how many touring car races happen in, over the course of a calendar year, but like it just became a bit more formalized. You had Amscar series and support races and various things. So those little little one off events where tracks would just put on a touring car race to attract a few people stopped being a thing. So eighty six is a pretty good shout for. For um for the sort of upper number, I think you can't. I think David, you counted out. Was it nineteen twenty or so? Um, twenty three, I think. If you yeah, count yeah. Car. yeah. Oh, yep. Um, so eighty four also would have had quite a few races with the Touring Car Championship, Australian Endurance Championship, Australian Grand Prix Support Race, the what was it, Berry Fruit Juices Cup <laughs> or whatever it was it called. <laughs> yeah. uh, Amscar and the Wind. It wasn't the Winfield 25s, but at Baskerville at the end of the year, the last time oh, the Group C the cars were raced. Glenn Seaton drove the Bluebird. Correct. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, modern era, of course, like we basically have 14 times where the supercars roll out, or 12, 12 this year. Now, yeah. um, but if you think of it in that sort of modern V8 supercars era perspective, 97 had 18 events. So you had the 10 Touring Car Championship rounds, uh, Grand Prix Indy Support Races, uh, Sandown 500, the, the Primus 1000 Classic. And four AMS car races. Yeah, they weren't exactly V8 supercars. No, they were. But yeah, yeah, they were there. You, if you were a privateer, you could do all that. Like if yeah, if you were Dillman and Cotter, I think they did do most, if not they all, did those. A fair, they had yeah. a dip at it. They, they probably had a dip. Yeah. That's for sure. Uh, Justin Olden, he's had a dip. What's the history of the HRT HSV Holden Line helmet logo? He was watching the '87 Bathurst DVD recently which I presume he purchased from the V8 Sleuth Superstore, and saw that logo on a poster in the background on a pit wall and he didn't realise that this logo predated HSV. It predated HSV and it predated the Holden Racing Team. So when when Holden decided it needed to um, have some sort of formalised involvement in motorsport, because technically it wasn't involved in motorsport for a long time, it was always, you know, the dealers that the are doing our dealer work. Team. Yeah, the whole general you, motors you can't, can't see be involved. the inverted comments yes, that I'm yeah. putting on this, but yeah. So their sort of first involvement in motorsport was an organisation called Holden Motorsport where... Got used a few times that moniker, didn't it? Yeah. So they essentially were the formal support that Holden could apply, could give to touring car races. So Larry Perkins, Alan Grice, I think Tony Noski might have been the yeah, third one. Yeah, I think he, he got a bit of love the next year into 88. Yeah, right. So th- those two got, 80, got it in 87. Yeah. Yeah. Um, from the Enduros, but it was blue and red, the yeah. the, the, the logo, wasn't it? I, I vividly remember collecting the poster as a kid at Sandown mm. that year with, with Grice and Perkins on it, and, but it was art, like it wasn't yes. photography. No, no. I'll, I'll have it rolled up somewhere at home, but um, isn't it amazing that stuff you remember from back in the day? Oh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, that lion and helmet logo, that's when that popped up. Mm. That was that was there then, but albeit different colouring and different use. Of course, it's better known now for being on the sides of the HRT cars, yeah. being part of the you said HSV HSV logo for mm. all those years afterwards. Yeah, yeah, it's one of those things you haven't I haven't stopped to think about for a while. But um, good point, Justin. Well raised. Yeah. Well played. Well played. Last question is from Craig Condo: Tomato sauce or barbecue sauce? Oh, it depends what it is, though. But 
tomato. It really is situational. Mm. Like it's for, for me, I don't know. Like I don't have a solid. I, I do generally prefer tomato sauce. What about like, chips? Hot chips. Probably tomato sauce. Yeah. So. Yeah. Steak. Uh, probably a mustard. No, no. Out of these two, you can't pick something else. Well, if it's a good steak, probably neither. <laughs> I'd go barbecue. <laughs> I'd go yeah. barbecue. Um, I don't mind a barbecue sauce based on a pizza. Either. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I'd Not always my first preference, but if I'm making one at home, I'll probably have solid that. Solid barbecue chicken. Yeah, yeah. It's got me hungry now. Yeah, got me going. Yeah, it's like you record these near dinner time. Yeah, I know because I can just go and fix it and not be so hungry again. Um, thanks everyone for the great questions. And by the way. We have had plenty of notes about our little call out a while back about what trophies should be named after what drivers for certain rounds of the championship. So we're going to collate those answers and come up with some of our own and we'll present those findings to you in an upcoming podcast because there's some really good suggestions there. There's actually some – we get some weird and wacky stuff but we also get some really good stuff and there's been some very thoughtful stuff that's gone on here. So we'll uh, we'll bring that to you as well. There's some in there that that you look at and think, oh, yeah, that makes total sense. Like? Can you give us a little tip? Let's just save it for the – Oh, yeah. Yeah. Such a tease, Dale. You're terrible. You're terrible. Um, Thanks, everyone, for tuning in. Hope you've enjoyed this episode of the pod. Um, Don't forget, jump on the website, superstore.v8salute.com.au. We've just added a whole truckload more uh, DVDs of all sorts of Seven Sport Magic Moments stuff. There's a whole pile of Peter Hughes prints. You can order all the back catalogue of our books. By the way, little note, we may or may not will have a big sale coming up soon. Really? So keep your eyes peeled. Keep your eyes peeled. Big sale. Grand sale. Franco, no, not Franco Clodso, but just grand sale, grand sale. It's going to be big. Very good. Looking forward to this. Lock it in. Uh, lock it in to Castrol Motorsport News Podcast. Every Tuesday, Steph, AVL, award-winning insight analysis. You know the drill. We say it every week but because it's totally true. So make that part of your listening for the Motorsport Podcast Network. Repco Supercars Weekly. Uh, I'll be back a bit later in the week to give you all the latest of what's going on in the lead-up to the Bosch Power Tools Perth Super Sprint at carco.com.au raceway. Is that how you say it all? I believe so. No one's no one's told us otherwise. I think I nailed that. No, no you did well. Pretty happy. Yeah. Pretty happy. Uh, keep those questions rolling in. We love doing these episodes of the pods. We're going to hunt down a few people to do some sit-down interviews with in the next couple of months as well. It's just been such a busy time in the first part of the year that it's been hard to really nail the big... We need big volume of time. 20 minutes just doesn't cut it to talk to the guests that we want to talk to about their careers and their racing. So we need some big slabs of time. We'll find it in the upcoming weeks. Uh, But as always, tune in every Wednesday for the V8 Sleuth Podcast. Thanks for doing so today. We will chat to you same time, same place next week. Do you know how to find the right oil for your car? Now you can find out quickly and easily online. Thanks to Castrol's Rego to Oil tool. Simply type in your Rego, select your state, and within seconds you'll know the best Castrol products to unlock the edge of performance in your car. So what's your car best suited to? Just search Rego, the number two, and oil and find out.